But it's, uh, it's good to be with you uh, this morning. Um, I, I was uh, coming to this sermon. There were many things um, on my mind. Um, Pastor Stephanie likes to preach from the Old Testament. Um, and I like it sometimes, but uh, it's, it's a lot of story. And I always get lost in the story. That ADD thing in my brain, I always I get distracted so much. And it's, so it's just a, a struggle a lot of times to come uh, to the end of something and to uh, be, be led in that direction. And so uh, I was coming today, and, I, and, and, and the perfect thing happened as I was thinking about um, uh, coming uh, w- with this sermon in, in 1 Samuel chapter um, 8. Uh, uh, last week, uh, Jack had eczema. Right, that's a that's a I don't it's a skin thing, right? And he uh, started itching, but he's a super tough guy, so he never mentioned it. He never he never itched it really. We just noticed it, and so we kept an eye on it. And we did the little lotion thing, and he's he's telling his grandparents right now that Daddy puts lotion on his boo boos. Right, it's super cute. But uh, we just kind of looked at it, and then one day he woke up. And we're talking like it was nasty. It would be nasty this morning. It was like scabbed and like horrible, right? And like he actually said something that my leg hurts. And so we took him to the doctor. And the doctor, Criddle, here in town is an incredible doctor. And, and he helped um, Jack. And he gave him some special um, uh, ointment or whatever. And every night we did it, and it, it kind of cleared up. And a couple days later, um, we noticed it cleared up. And so I started to talk to Jack about how um, we're thankful to God that Dr. Criddle helped us, right? Dr. Criddle's a good guy. We want him to like the doctor when he goes to the doctor. Dr. Criddle's a good guy, and he saved the day. Not the Paw Patrol way, but he saved the day. And, and so I'm talking to, I'm just talking, having a conversation with my son, a two-year-old, about how the doctors helped him, and, and Stephanie is, is there and kind of overhears it, and she says, yeah, Dr. Criddle, you know, uh, didn't just save you, Jack, but, but uh, he saved JoJo, like, not just, like, helped us with ointment, but like literally like helped save their lives multiple times as you have ridden the waves of uh, of the adventures of our family over the past couple of years with uh, pneumonia uh, and 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 uh, and Jack had croup and couldn't breathe and all these different things. Dr. Criddle's an amazing guy, right? And I'm like, yeah. And Jack Jack and I do the Jack fist pump, right? Like, yeah, woo woo, and it's awesome. And then I look over. And, and my wife is weeping, right? Like just weeping, right? Right in the middle of the day. No, no ordinary day. We're just talking about the doctor. And she's like, boo, like ugly crying. She's not ugly, but she was doing the ugly cry, right? Right in the middle of the, of the living room or wherever we were. I, because she was reminded of the ups and downs. The ebbs and flows and the way that Dr. Criddle, the saint of the hospital over here, right? The way that he, he helped our family. She was reminded of the, of the tension of, of what it felt like to be in the valley and what it felt like to, 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 to be at the top and to overcome because that is what life is, the ups and the downs. We talked about this before, but some of us um, are, when we live life, we're, we're, we're steady Eddie. Right when I live life and when I think about life, I'm I'm, I'm right here. Right, my my ups are just a little bit up, and my downs are just a little bit down. But for the most part, I, I'm I'm steady. And then some of us um, are like my wife, right? Um, where our ups are way up and our downs are way down, and we feel life very differently. And so whether you're 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 awesome and logical like me. 
pastor. Or whether you feel things deeply and you call us awesome, logical people to experience life sometimes. Um, either way, whether you're up and down or you're steady Eddie, one thing's for sure is that you and I are going to have some ordinary, normal time in that space, right? It's not always up and down. Sometimes it's up and down. But, but most of the time, a lot of the time, there's some everyday, ordinary stuff where things aren't exciting, where things aren't crazy depressing, where things aren't, aren't horrible and, and, and things aren't awesome, but it's just normal. And so last week, Pastor Stephanie introduced this ordinary time um, to us. And this is ordinary time in the church year, uh, in the church calendar, but it's also an introduction to kind of ordinary time in everyday, ordinary life. And she reminded us um, how, we, how we spend our ordinary every day, our ordinary time, how we spend our days is how we will spend our life, right? And so how we spend our days living for Jesus is how we will spend our life living for Jesus. What we do in the everyday ordinary will add up to a life lived, right? A long, long time ago when I was printing t-shirts, I printed a t-shirt that said, and I think it was just for me, I don't know, me and my friends, uh, but it said that the days are long, but the years are short. Right? You ever feel like that? The days are long, but the years are short. Our ordinary lives add up. The stuff we do in our ordinary days, they add up to a life lived. They, they culminate in something. So the ways in which we live for Jesus in our everyday ordinary uh, determines the ways in which we live uh, for Jesus in, in, in a long-term life. And so last week, Pastor Stephanie led us, and she asked us if we were postured to listen and obey even today in the most ordinary and unremarkable days are we postured ready to listen and to receive are we ones that realize and remember that our salvation comes not by might but our salvation comes from from the gracious hand of God and she talked about Samuel uh, we get that introduction uh, of Samuel, the little boy that is called upon by God to listen. And Samuel uh, shows us the posture of a servant. He's one that is close at hand. And, and then he shows us the, the response of the servant as he acts and he, he, he speaks and he does what God calls him to do. He, he says, speak, Lord, speak. Your servant um, is listening. And so we, we come from this place in the story recognizing um, that it's not by our might, it's not by the people's might, but it's by the gracious hand of God that we are, we are given salvation. And, and now we're going to follow the story of God's people for a little bit. And it gets really interesting because there's lots of ups and downs and ups and downs. And then we hit this ordinary normal time uh, of their lives. But from this point... Uh, it's an awesome point. It's a, it's a mountaintop, right? We've got um, a, a, a child that is hearing the voice of God and then speaking um, what God says, right? That's an awesome thing, right? And we recognize that that's an incredible uh, thing for the people uh, of God. This is great news during this time. Now, not everything's peachy, is it? We still got Eli and his, his, his crooked sons, right? Um, they're, still on the, they're still on the scene. They're, they're still there. Not everything's great. Not everything changed overnight. Not everything's 
wonderful and awesome, but this, this time is, is one of anticipation uh, of, something, of something new. By, by the end of, of this chapter 3, it says that the Lord was with him, Samuel, and none of his words fell to the ground. And the Lord re- would reveal himself to Samuel, and Samuel would speak his words, and they came to all of Israel. It's a kind of a, of a big deal. They, 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 they heard the word of God through, through Samuel. They, they have this, this image of the old passing away, but not just for the fun of it, but for something new to, to, to come. And Samuel is that mouthpiece. But then we hit the ups and downs of life. I don't know about you, but I was thinking about the, this up and down of life. Usually, some uh, usually in my life, I think of a couple big things. When something really, really good happens, then something really, really not good after it sometimes happens, and it's a really frustrating, frustrating uh, place uh, to to be in life. But we know this as we navigate it. I've gone to hiking with my daughter a couple times uh, up in Cascade, uh, and and it wasn't very long at all because there's just not enough not enough leg there yet uh, for for Jojo. But we were as we hike, we I reminded her that every time we go up, we get to go down. Right? It's opposite for life in the way that we're talking about it. But every time there's a mountain, every time there's a climb, usually that there's a descent. There, there's this, this place and this time and, and, and there's this ups and downs and in between of life. So we've got this climbing of God's people, right? They're, they're, they're climbing here. Everybody knows Samuel is sent by God. He's a prophet of the Lord. He's confirmed in the chapter three. Yay, yay. Jack fist pump. Woot, right? Like it's exciting. It, it, it's, a, it's a good thing. But then next, here comes the boom. Right here comes the here comes the valley. It is right after this. There's not even a transition. Uh, there there's there's a battle. Right. The the valley involves the, these people called the Philistines, and it's it's not a very good thing. And right after after these awesome verses, it says that four thousand of God's people are killed and they're defeated that day. So, uh, and there's so many, this is the bunny trail. There's so many sermons wrapped up in this. So the people decide, uh, the, the God's people, they decide that um, because they've, they've been defeated, they're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant like it's some like rabbit foot, like good luck charm, and they bring it into the camp, and they're excited, and so everybody cheers, and everything is great, and then they go out and get beat again, Right? Uh, they, they go out with incredible, uh, incredible joy and enthusiasm, and then they, then they, they, they get pummeled. Right? It says that they defeated again, losing thirty thousand soldiers. The valley gets deeper. Right? It gets deeper and deeper. Not only did they lose thirty thousand soldiers, uh, but Eli's sons die in battle. Right? So there's the, it, goes, it goes deeper and deeper. Not only did Eli's son die in battle, but they've also captured the Ark of the Covenant and, and it's lost. It's, a, it's, a, it's an incredibly big deal. It's an incredibly deep valley. It's not a good time. It seems like everything is chaos and nothing 
is held together. And then there's a, a bunch of awesome Old Testament stuff in chapter 5, 1 Samuel chapter 5, um, where God's heavy hand, as they call it, is there. And there's the, the, the Philistines take the, the Ark of the Covenant and they place it by their idol. And every morning the idol falls over. It's kind of a funny story. Um, but every morning the idol falls over and it breaks up. And so they, then they move it. And then there's a bunch of plague-like stuff with, with tumors and rats. Uh, and it's this, it's this Old Testament awesomeness, right? And uh, so we, 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 move, uh, we move from this. And, and then after, after seven months of the Philistines having the Ark of the Covenant, right? Having, having the Ark of the Covenant with them and people are dying and it's weird. And, and they're trying to move it from place to place. The Philistines are. After seven months of having this, they say, um, I, we give up. We're going to give it back, Right? Like, we don't want this anywhere around us. We're just going to give it back. And so the mountaintop is coming back. And things are, are, things are good. The, the, the climb has happened. We're going to get the Ark of the Covenant back. And everything's going to be great. But then it gets better. They continue to cry, climb because Samuel invites them all together. And they have this, like, come to Jesus moment. They're gathered. And, and, and Samuel calls them uh, to repent. And they come together and they're, they're gathered together and they repent and, and, they, and they confess and then they, they sacrifice some things and, and everything seems to be good. They're, they're moving in the right direction. The, the things are getting better and, and stuff is coming back to order. But as they're meeting, as they're, as they're there confessing and sacrificing, the, the Philistines hear about it and they're about to attack. Right, right in this moment of uh, of climbing out of the of the valley, right in this moment where things seem to be getting better, the Philistines are, are coming to attack them, are coming to to to, to get them, and, and and they're and they're afraid. God's people are, are absolutely terrified, and so they they tell Samuel, they say to him, "Keep crying out to God for us." for him to save us, for him to rescue us. And so Samuel cries out to God for help and rescue, and God hears their cries. God rescues, and they win the battle, right? It's a good time. It's great. Woot, woot, fist pump. Everything seems to, be, seems to be good. And so Samuel says he takes this big rock and he sets it up in, in, the, in between these two places and he calls it Ebenezer, which means a stone of help. And he says this, thus far the Lord has helped us. Things seem to be going in the right direction. And so as we, as we come to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8, if you have your Bibles with you today, this is where we've been led. And this is where, where the people of God um, are going. And they, and they come to this place where everything seems to be, everything seems to be good. If you read it, uh, they, they capture more land and stuff back from the Philistines. And things begin to, to settle down to a, a normal place. And they're in their present here, and then something happens. First Samuel chapter eight. If you have your Bibles, um, we're going to read uh, the, this chapter this morning, and we come in the context of of what we were just led through with the ups and the downs, and now it's kind of leveled out. A lot of time has passed, but it says this. It says, when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. And the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his secondborn was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. 
But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations had. But when they uh, said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, "Give to all, uh, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know that what the king king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve and his chariots and horses and they will run in uh, in front of his chariots. Some will, uh, he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others who will plow, others to plow his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best for your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his tenants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and will give you, give it to his officials and his attenders. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourself will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the God who you are from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations. With the king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your town or to your own town. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. I love that last verse because he says, basically he says, get out of here, right? Now get on. But as we read this um, this morning, we, we are reminded that, that this is a time that is, has passed and Samuel gets old. But it's also communicated that it's kind of an ordinary time, especially if we read the first couple of verses before this. Everything's leveled out like we talk about, and, and the, the people are here, and, and many believe that, that there's this huge passage of time where things were just good. Samuel's their leader, but Samuel also appointed his sons, and we learn that his sons have, have, are judges, and they take bribes that kind of um, pervert and distort that position, and so uh, the people are not happy with that. They're kind of, uh, they're, they're kind of disgusted with that, and so uh, they don't like his sons. It reminds us of, uh, of Eli's sons a little bit as we just got through that whole that scenario in the, in the chapters before. But notice that, that, that there's no rebuttal here. Uh, when we come to Samuel, Samuel doesn't stick up for his sons. It's kind of like a given fact. Nobody says that that's wrong. 
It's, it's the narrator telling us that, that, that their sons, uh, Samuel's sons, are, are, are crooked. But uh, they come to this point where the, the, the elders come to Samuel. And they say, Samuel, we want, a, we want this new king. We want something. We want something different. We want we want a king to to, to lead us, and they and this is a proposal that was was not characteristic, because this was a a change that they wanted. But it wasn't just a little change that they wanted. It was a huge change that they wanted. It, this was something that 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 they they looked to and that they pointed to, not just a little tweak. This is something they oriented their lives around. This is huge. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 17 kind of foreshadows this and says that there will be a king, and that will happen, but it seems that this isn't the right time, and Yahweh, God, did not initiate it. So it's not the best of things. They're here, and this game-changing initiative is about to happen. This community of God's people is, is about to kind of reorient their identity. Think about it. From the very beginning on Mount Sinai, it was understood that Israel was a chosen people of God. And these people were, were to be covenant people, not like anybody else. Right? And we say it like this. They're supposed to be weird. Right? They're the peculiar people of God. They're the, the weird people of God. They're the people that kind of stood out and stood uh, apart. They, they were people that were, were to order their lives in the odd and demanding way of the Torah. And there were people that were to rely on the love and the promise of God that God would bring them through. And so when we think about this, wanting a king, it was going to change the very foundation of their identity as people. And so we asked the question, why? Right? This is where the bunny trails go for Pastor Tommy and sermon preparation. Like, why? Why do you, why do you want a king? And why do you, why do you want to change? And, and these, these, these elders, these OGs, the original gangsters of the time that have been around a long time, they come to Samuel and they say that we want to change. And the conventional thought is, is that they were afraid of the Philistines again. Right? They were afraid that they were going to be captured. They were afraid that, um, that, that, that the whole thing that happened way back then through that period of time was going to happen all over again. And things weren't going to be good and things were going to be bad. But uh, that was one reason. But others believed that during that ordinary and peaceful time, during that time where things were just normal and things were, were, were chugging along nicely, that many of them had accumulated wealth and had accumulated stuff. And so, uh, especially the elders who had this kind of like positions of, uh, of, of people knowing them and they've been around for a long time, some believed that they came to a place where they wanted to have something to kind of protect what they had gained. Right to kind of protect and to and to move forward into gaining more and more power and more and more influence and so they come to this come to this place but either way whether it's the Philistines or this either way they know that they want something different there's so much that we don't have a chance to talk about this morning because we don't have four hours. But let's notice and pause here for a moment about something about the rhythm of life and our relationship to God. 
as we look at these people, right? When we are in the valley of life, when things aren't going well and, and things are, are not good and, and everything seems broken and we don't have a way forward and we're just there, we're stuck in the valley, without a doubt, we need God, right? Without a doubt, we know that we need God and we let God know that, right? We, we cry out to God is the way that we see it. Some of us don't cry out, but we just know that we need God. We need something else and we can't do it. And we're, we're in, our, in over our heads and we can't move forward with anything else but God. Remember when Samuel's leading the people in this come to Jesus moment? And they're there on the mountaintop, and they hear that the Philistines are coming. They're, they're in this place of vulnerability, and they're there. They're, they're sacrificing to God, and they're, they're in this place. And they're all together, and so the Philistines come to attack. And they, they maybe see them in a distance, or they, they hear word that they're coming. And so what do they do? They cry out to Samuel to cry out to God. Because they know what the valley looks like, right? They may not be in a valley at this point, but they know that something's coming. Last time they fought them, 30,000 soldiers died, right? Eli died, and, and a bunch of other people died, and, and, and it's just not a good place to be. And so they, they're coming, they can see this valley coming, and so they cry out to God because that's what we do when we see the valley coming or that's what we do when we are in the valley. But the danger is real and present and, and they are in need. Samuel chapter 7 verse 8 says, Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. That when we are in the valley, we need when we get a diagnosis, we need God. When things are broken all around us, we need God's restoration. When we're in a pickle, right? God, I won't do this ever again, and I'll go to church every Sunday. I need you, right? When we're in these places of life, we, we need God. We're desperate for God. We know this. We live this. And it is good to need it is good to need and it is good to receive. That's why we have you do this every Sunday that, that somehow, subway, it might shape us to receive from God. We need God, especially when we're in the valley. But we also recognize that when God leads us through the valley, when we come out on the other side of the valley, when things are looking up and things are looking better, that we're more apt to, to praise Him, right? We're more apt to say, thank you, Jesus, for, for, for bringing me through that. And, and thank you for, for, for providing the way. And thank you for being, bringing about restoration. And so uh, in our story, Samuel goes and he gets that rock and, he, and he, he puts it down and it reminds us and he vocalizes that thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far, God is with us. God is present. God is active. God is, is moving. I couldn't have done it without you, Lord. You are great. I praise you for your good work. And, and we do this. And this is something that we live. We as preachers, we emphasize this a lot. Number one, uh, when you're in the valley, because we want you to know that you're not alone, right? And that God is present with us each and every day. And then number two, the, the, the mountaintop one, we emphasize because we don't want your head to get too big, right? And we want you to remember who got you there. 
Right? Who led you through there to that place? But my question for us today and the struggle that I've been having all week and, and the, the rub that we come up to against, and I want to ask you this morning, is who get, needs God in the ordinary? We talk about the valley and we talk about the mountaintop, but we hardly ever talk about the ordinary. When the action happens in the ordinary, ordinary times when all is okay and you're making decisions and you feel like you can figure it all out or ordinary times when you're just bored or, or you just want to be like everyone else, normal. Who needs God when everything is smooth and normal? The, the, the normal for the people of God, for, for, for the people that we're reading about this morning, and for us as well, it is weird and peculiar. It's not like everybody else is normal. Their lives and our lives are to be ordered around the, the way of God. Our lives and their lives are to be dependent upon the direction and the leading of God that we would rest fully on the love and the promise of God, but we have a habit of getting restless, and the people of God that we're reading about this morning have the awful habit of getting restless over and over and over again. Restless with the demanding weirdness. Restlessness to trust God in all things for their very lives. The, 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 the restlessness to order their lives not around themselves and not being like everybody else around them, but, but to live in the way that God calls them to live. That in this restlessness, God's people see a way and seek a way to be less weird. Right? They're, they're, they're tired of this, or it's, it's hard work, or, or it requires something of me, or, or that person over there is having a lot more fun than we are. It looks a lot more exciting than what I'm doing, and so I seek ways to be less weird and more like everybody else. More like all the other nations, Right? I want to, I wanna, in my restlessness, I, in the ordinary time, I want to be less peculiar, be less weird. I, I want a king like everybody else. That will solve our problem. Our problems with Samuel who, and his crooked sons. And we'll feel pretty good being like everybody else. And we'll fit in a little bit, but, but, but remind, remember what it leads to. We get the opportunity to see um, the preventative grace of God in action in our passage this morning. As God uh, doesn't rebuke the, the desire for a king, God doesn't uh, like rage against the people and say, uh, you're not going to have a king, I'm your king. But God says uh, to Samuel, warn them, right? Warn, warn the people of what this will bring. Warn the people that this is the road that they were, were, were go, were, are, are, are headed down and what this will take them. So Samuel leads into that long uh, discourse that, that is the longest in the Old Testament against the monarchy. And he says over and over and over again that the new king will take, take, take. Take, take, take all this from you. You think that you want this. You think that you're restless. You think that this will be good, but the new king is going to take, take, 
take, turn the other way, right? Stop, nope, come back, get over here, stay away. Remember, these are God's people with vivid memories of of what it means to be in bondage and be in slavery as, as they've been led from Egypt, as God has set them free. And now Samuel is here and saying that you will become slaves again. All of these things come true with the reign of Solomon, by the way. You will become slaves again. Don't do it. No, we want to. We need it. So learning from this and watching God's people and recognizing these same rhythms in our lives just maybe, maybe the ordinary everyday moments of life or the places that we need to be reminded uh, uh, the most that life as Jesus people is not lived on our own. The ordinary, everyday moments of life are the places that we need to be reminded the most that it is not by our might. These ordinary, everyday places of life are the places we need to be reminded of the most. It's that God is the one that leads us. That when it's hard to be the peculiar people, when, when you're frustrated being the peculiar people and Johnny so-and-so is having more fun and they've got more stuff and they're doing bigger and what it seems like better things than me and I just don't know what's happening, that, that in those places, God is with you. Maybe we are to be more faithful to lean into the practices of the people of God in our ordinary, everyday life. Maybe we are to trust more fully that God has the best for us even in our restlessness, even in the stuff that seems ordinary and normal. As our band comes to sing for us or to lead us in worship this morning, May we be reminded that we are the people of God. That we're called to be a people who orient our lives not around ourselves and what we want and what we can do and what we can have, but we're people that orient ourselves around the direction and the leading of God. We are not people that go our own way and to trust in, in things that aren't God. That would be idolatry but we are people that lean fully into the love and to the promise of God that we might stake our lives on Jesus. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you for um, this account uh, of your people. We thank you for the ways in which you um, are present with them and you call them away from what is broken. Lord, we pray that you would help us to need you as much as we need you in the valley. May we need you as that much in the ordinary. Lord, may you continue to invite us to lean on you in all the things that we do. May we be your people. May you lead us as our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Please stand to receive the benediction this morning as we go. Beloved God's people, may we lean into our weirdness as the people of God, even in the ordinary. May we trust the oddness of a God who desires the best for us and who poured himself out for us. May you go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. i